On the 1st of April 2019, a steel modular scaffold collapsed at a construction site in Sydney, crushing two workers. Christopher Cassanetti was fatally injured, while Khaled Weeby suffered permanent life-changing injuries. The subsequent investigation by SafeWork New South Wales identified issues with the planning, design, management and modification of the scaffold, as well as a lack of clarity regarding its duty rating. It also identified a need for clear written guidance regarding the management of contractors, management of scaffolding work, the management of erected scaffolds, particularly ongoing modification, training and qualification of workers, and the role of engineers, sign-offs and verifications. The prosecution resulted in a work health safety project order made under Section 238 of the New South Wales Work Health and Safety Act to develop a scaffolding industry safety standard to provide this guidance. This standard is now available. Welcome to this episode of the Safety Cast. My name is Shalini Nagpal and I'm a Senior Inspector with SafeWork New South Wales in the Construction Services Group. Today I'm joined by Kane Scott, a manager with the Construction Services Group, but more importantly, a member of the working group that developed the Scaffolding Industry Safety Standard. Hi Kane, good morning. Uh, how are you today? I'm good, thanks Shalini. Um, thanks for the introduction and um, thanks for having me along today. Uh, really, really pleased that you've joined us. Um, did you want to just give us a quick um, little bit of background into how long you've been with SafeWork, Kane? Yeah, so I've been with uh, SafeWork a bit over eight years now. Um, I started as an inspector um, working in operations and have now moved into management in the construction regional team. Fantastic. That's great. Thanks Thanks for that, Kane. Um, so most people listening to the safety cast will be aware of the tragic events that occurred on the 1st of April 2019. What we would like to discuss today um, are the following. Firstly, what is a scaffolding industry safety standard? Who, who was it developed for? Who developed it? Uh, how it was actually developed? What are the main areas that it covers off and where uh, we can find it? So, Kane, um, to get us started, what is the scaffolding industry standard, safety standard? Yeah, Shalini, the industry safety standard is a document that's been developed by the key stakeholders in the scaffold industry. It's targeted towards prefabricated steel modular scaffolding, um, primarily used in multi-level construction projects. However, many of the principles that are addressed uh, can also be applied to other scaffolds and industries. Um, it describes what effective management of scaffolds and scaffolding, scaffold work um, is. Um, and I suppose the key areas, it looks at effective consultation between scaffolders, um, principal contractors, scaffold supervisors, scaffold designers, mm -hmm. covers off on effective communication and transfer of information, which is really important through the entire life cycle of the scaffold. Mm. Covers, covers the designing and erecting of scaffolds that are suitable and fit for purpose for a project. Uh, the engagement of engineers, when to engage, and the types of information that you're required to get um, to assess and verify scaffold designs. Covers off on competency of workers, um, not just workers, all those that are involved, again, in the life cycle of a scaffold. It covers the supervision and management of scaffolders and scaffolding work, um, and then the ongoing management of erected scaffolds um, in a construction site. The management of contractors using and working near erected scaffolds. And then also on some issue resolution um, and incident notification around some of the issues that can arise with scaffolding. Uh, it also includes some appendices, some useful tools um, 
that can be used by industry to again achieve industry best practice. Uh, that's what this uh, document is working towards, um, to get all of that information out there for industry that's best practice so that everyone can achieve that standard. Fantastic. Thanks, Kane. That's that's quite a comprehensive overview and it sounds like a really uh, well-tailored document um, for industry. So, um, Kane, who was the scaffolding industry safety standard developed for? Yeah, so it was developed for, as I say, anyone who has a relationship or an interaction with scaffolding in a construction project. So right from the design concept um, through to detailed designs, through to, through to the erection and dismantle of scaffolds on site, um, anyone who uses or interacts with a scaffold. And what it's aimed um, to be is to provide practical management tools um, to all of those parties. Um, it's very detailed in terms of the roles and the responsibilities um, of all parties involved with the scaffold. And again, it's there as guidance developed by industry for industry to achieve industry best practice. So, Kane, um, did SafeWork New South Wales develop the scaffolding industry safety standard? No. So, the scaffold industry safety standard was developed by um, industry and its partners. Um, SafeWork was a part of that. We contributed to that, but it also included peak industry bodies, industry associations, unions, um, but very importantly, the scaffold industry itself. Um, so, a variety from, you know, large scaffold suppliers, designers, through to small scaffold suppliers, designers. Um, and it came around as a result of the WHS project order issued by the courts. So you've got all the smaller and uh, all the small and the larger um, stakeholders within industry that have contributed, which is really, really good to see that the document's been um, developed very, very much in a consultative fashion. Um, so we've talked about what the scaffolding industry safety standard is. So how was the scaffolding industry safety standard developed? Yes, Shalini, so the standard was developed by the key industry stakeholders coming together for face-to-face -face meetings. Um, it, it was developed across about a six, approximately a six-month period um, where we met face-to-face. -face. Uh, they were sort of full-day meetings where there'd be fairly robust discussions back and forth. Um, so from all aspects of industry, everyone could put their perspective forward. Uh, we could hear what success looked like. Um, mm -hmm. We'd get examples of industry best practice that we could include in the document. It was important that we didn't reproduce what already exists um, in terms of technical guidance for the scaffold itself. We really wanted to put out a guidance document for industry, very practicable, very usable, developed by industry that really set out those tools that allow you to achieve industry best practice. Thanks, Kane. So we've talked about what the scaffolding um, industry safety standard is, but can you tell us more about what's actually in the standard? Yeah, so in summary, the scaffold industry safety standards broken down into six main sections. Uh, these sections cover off on the following general areas. So there's project management, engagement and planning. There's detailed scaffolding, planning and design, training and licensing of workers, management of scaffolders and scaffolding work, management of erected scaffolds, and then issue resolution, emergency and incident response. There's also the appendices that provide useful tools for industry to use um, to address all of the criteria raised in the chapters. Um, so can we talk more about each of these areas, starting with project management, engagement and planning, and then we'll move through the sections. Of course. The purpose of this section is to outline high-level scaffold management processes using a milestones approach. 
that can be adopted to individual site needs. So this approach is intended to ensure a safe scaffolding throughout the life of the construction project. So to give you some examples, the milestones include identifying the scaffold requirements, tendering and quoting for scaffolding, mm -hmm. detailed scaffold planning and design, implementing scaffold management plan and design, and also design reviews for when things change, um, which as we all know in a construction project, things definitely change. Yeah, so on, on that point, let's move to the next section of the standard, which is detailed scaffold planning and design. So what are we looking at in this section and who is it really related to? Yeah, so scaffold planning design must consider the life of the construction project and not solely be the responsibility of the scaffolder. Implementing an effective scaffold solution for a given project requires effective transfer of information between the scaffolder, the principal contractor, engineers and workers who use the erected scaffold. So effective scaffold planning and design should result in a scaffold design that is fit for purpose, has all of the relevant design and engineer sign-offs, can be safely erected and has clearly identified duty rating. It should be documented in sufficient detail such that the current configuration and use of the erected scaffold can be compared or verified to the design at any stage of its service life. So the detailed scaffold planning and design stage should include consultation, scaffold design principles, so the things that you're trying to achieve, the scaffold structural and operational requirements, so how the scaffold needs to be used, the structural engineering analysis of the scaffold, scaffold ties, documentation and the provision of design information and project and scaffold design changes and how they'll deal with those changes. So the next section is in the standard is training and licensing of workers. Kane, can you explain the requirements and what competencies are required? Yes, so businesses must ensure that information, training, instruction and supervision are provided to a worker. Um, and they also have to make sure that it's suitable and adequate having regard to the nature of the work carried out and importantly, the nature of the risk associated with the work and the control measures implemented. So while scaffolding is recognised as an effective control measure for falls and falling objects in the construction process, scaffolding work itself and the misuse of scaffolds can expose workers and the public to serious risk. Therefore, the information, instruction, training and supervision for workers interacting with scaffolds must be thorough, understandable and monitored. So this section, and I must admit it's one of my favourite sections in the document, this section of the standard identifies the specific competencies required by the various workers involved um, in the whole life cycle of the scaffold. So from design, um, erection, inspection, certification, safe use, um, it's all covered and very detailed. So it's often a, a question raised, I suppose, in industry or people who use scaffold, what level of information, what information needs to be provided, what level of competency do people have? And this is apart from the licensing requirements of scaffolding. Mm -hmm. um, and the document's very clear across um, from people who design, people who certify, so down to engineers, people who erect scaffold, people who supervise scaffold in a workplace, um, people who work on a scaffold or even near a scaffold. It's all broken down. It's very clear and all of those competencies are set out, which is a great tool for um, scaffold companies, for building companies, for building sites, for building uh, for scaffold designers, for scaffold engineers to know exactly the skill set that they need to have or that they need to ensure their workers have to allow for the safe design, the safe build and the safe use and safe management of scaffolds. That sounds like it's got some really good practical advice and insights as to what the expectations are for industry, which which I'm sure that our um, listeners will find very beneficial. 
So what about the management of scaffolders and scaffolding work? Can you explain those requirements? Yeah, Shalini. So it's not just the scaffolders who are responsible for managing the scaffolding work on site. So both the scaffold contractor and the principal contractor are responsible for managing the scaffold work on site. And the broad objective should be to have licensed scaffolders using safe systems of work to do the erection, any modification, dismantling of scaffold, and ensure that that system of work is compliant with the supplier's manufacturer's instructions and the Australian standards. Uh, there's the additional WHS legislative requirements around safe work method statements and handover certificates that must be met. Um, but importantly, it's got to be a coordinated approach. So that consultation, mm -hmm. sharing, inf sharing of information, and the coordination and cooperation between the scaffolders and the principal contractor so that the scaffolders can make the principal contractor and workers on site aware of the risks that their work presents to them, but also that the site can make the scaffolders aware of any risks on site. It's the principal contractor needs to ensure that the scaffolders are provided with a safe work environment, that they have clear workspace, that they have means to bring in their equipment, um, and that they keep their other workers away from that area. So again, principal contractors responsible for exclusion zones and things like that. And oh. whilst the scaffolders are responsible for using a safe system of work to do that erection, making sure that they build the scaffold in accordance with the plan, in accordance with the manufacturer's instructions, in accordance with the Australian standards, making sure their workers are trained and competent for the systems of work they're using, making sure, yes, that their scaffolders are licensed and that unlicensed scaffolders aren't doing licensed scaffolding work. Um, and if they work together, they can achieve that good outcome around managing the actual scaffolders and scaffolding work on site. Uh, probably the biggest shortcoming that we see in industry is once the scaffold's been built, um, unlicensed workers modifying a scaffold on site. So once the scaffold's handed over, the principal contractor definitely has to make sure that they are supervising and monitoring, keeping an eye on the scaffold and ensuring that their workers or workers on site aren't making any modifications to that scaffold because that's definitely an area in industry where we see a lot of non-compliance. Definitely. Uh, so next up, we have the management of erected scaffolds. So what does this section talk about? Once erected, use of the scaffold needs to be managed. So the principal contractor is primarily responsible for ensuring scaffolds are used correctly. So broadly, this requires making sure that all workers on site are aware of how the scaffold can be used and having means for identifying and rectifying issues. So again, this requires very effective communication of all the scaffold related information. Um, so through site inductions, toolbox talks and the likes, adequate supervision of scaffold users um, and regular inspections of the scaffolds to ensure they're not compromised and remain effective uh, and safe for all of the workers and the work being undertaken from them. Uh, so in this section, there's practical control measures to prevent common scaffolding issues, so including unauthorised access to scaffold, um, certainly unauthorised modification to scaffold, also the overloading and inadequate inspections of scaffold that are being used, erected in the construction site. So the final section of the standard talks about issue resolution, emergency and incident response. What's this about, Kane? Yeah, so scaffold planning, design and management in accordance with all of the previous chapters should result in a safe scaffold for the life of the project. However, due to the complexity and length of most construction projects, the risk of a scaffolding issue occurring cannot be eliminated completely. So this chapter provides guidance for principal contractors or all of those, again, involved in the scaffold life cycle to respond to common scaffolding incidents, so such as unimproved modifications that we spoke about earlier, 
overloading of scaffold or damage to scaffold. So, you know, for example, if a bit of mobile plant was to impact a scaffold um, or there was a, se a severe weather event that caused some damage to a scaffold. So a lot of those incidents may be notifiable to safe work or to your workplace regulator. And this chapter is intended to provide guidance for rectification where scaffold components can still be assembled and dismantled by hand. So this chapter is intended to provide very practical guidance around having plans in place to manage those changes or issues or incidents that are going to come along in the life in the life cycle of the scaffold. It's about knowing that those incidents or changes are going to occur, having plans in place to manage those changes so that things aren't made up on the run. That way it allows the planned approach with management strategies in place to ensure that any of those incidents issues are resolved uh, in an effective and safe manner. So look, we've just discussed the main sections of the scaffold scaffolding industry safety standard, but there is a bit more to it than just what we've spoken about. Kane, are you able to take us through briefly any of the remaining information contained in the standard, which which really imperative and to cover off today? Yeah, Shalini, there is some really key information that's included at the end of the document in the appendices. So apart from providing reference to where further information can be found, the document provides some really useful tools. Again, because we could bring some of the best um, businesses, the best minds, the best knowledge across the scaffold industry into a room and learn from each other and provide to each other examples of success and best practice, We've really tried to capture these into the appendices of the document. So there's an appendice there on the influence of the construction process on scaffold design, which really makes people aware of, you know, potentially where things will go wrong, have gone wrong. And again, some practical advice on how they can address that and be ahead of that process so they can plan, have plans in place to allow for, for a successful project. Mm -hmm. um, we also have included a contractor pre-qualification checklist so again, a very practical tool to allow a builder to look at all of the key points, that the things that they want in a scaffold contractor that's going to be able to provide them a fit for purpose and safe scaffold solution for their project. And by using that tool, they can have a list of scaffold contractors that they know meet their needs, that they know can achieve the outcomes in this document, um, which again would lead to a fit for purpose and safe scaffold outcome for their project. There's also a section on appendice on scaffold ties. Um, given that scaffold ties, either the lack of, the removal of um, scaffold ties, have played such a key role in some very serious scaffold incidents, um, we, we saw this as an opportunity to provide, again, some key information to industry around the use of ties, the designing of ties, the design of ties, engineering of ties, um, how they can influence and support a structure, their importance, um, as well as some diagrams included on the, the different types of ties, the configuration of ties. Um, so again, a, a very practical appendices to help industry achieve success. So Appendix D um, relates to scaffolding terminology. So we saw an opportunity to provide industry with some very relevant and very practical information on scaffolding terminology so that we have a consistent use of scaffold terminology across the industry. Again, this is not directly related to scaffolders or licensed scaffolders themselves. Uh, this is for people who supervise scaffolds, for principal contractors, for people who use scaffolds so that when they get scaffold terminology put to them, uh, they have a very clear understanding of what that terminology relates to. So again, very practical guidance, very usable guidance for industry, again, including diagrams to show 
um, what the terminology relates to. And then we've also included some appendices that give an example of what scaffold engineering design and sign-off looks like. So that if a principal contractor is engaging a scaffold designer or a scaffold company and there's engineering required, we've given some examples of what that engineering should look like, what a scaffold design should look like in terms of load ratings and which bays are open, what bays can be used for and how bays can be braced and the like. So again, very practical tools that previously may not have existed for industry in in, in this level of detail and quality. Um, so practical tools for industry to be able to very uh, easily understand um, all of the terminology that we're referring to in the standard. They can see it you know, through clearer description and also through the use of images to help build that knowledge around scaffold components, scaffold design, use of scaffold, scaffold terminology. Kane, just in summary, what are some of the key takeaways for our listeners today in relation to this uh, scaffolding industry safety standard? Yes, I think the key takeaways are that this scaffold industry safety standard is not a reproduction of a scaffold standard or a a scaffold Australian standard or a scaffold code of practice or existing scaffold guidance material designed at, um, those documents are designed at the actual scaffold structure. Um, So this document is designed by industry for industry. It's a very practical guide and it's very detailed guide around the whole life cycle of the scaffold with a very big focus on the the design of the scaffold so that it's fit for purpose and buildable, uh, for the erection of scaffold on site, the roles and responsibilities, for the safe use of the scaffold and management of the scaffold and very clear again on roles and responsibilities. And so the document very clearly defines the roles and responsibility of all of those who interact or have a relationship with scaffolding on a construction project. And I think the important part of that is that it really allows for increased accountability for every every stakeholder that interacts with the scaffold so that they clearly know what their roles and responsibilities are. They can be held accountable to those roles and responsibilities. It's very easy for industry now to be aware of the level of training and competency required for all of the people who interact with scaffolding. It's very clear um, or we've provided practical tools for industry to use to achieve better outcomes for scaffolds on construction projects. Thank you so much for your insights and talking to us, talking us through the scaffolding industry safety standard today, Kane. It's been very insightful. Thanks, Shalini. It's been a pleasure. Thank you to Kane Scott for joining us today and thanks for listening. For more information on this topic and others, please visit our website at www.safework.nsw.gov.au. If you need to report an incident or need to speak to someone at SafeWork New South Wales, please phone 13 10 50 or use the Speak Up app. And lastly, please share this production with your industry colleagues and contacts.